What's going on, everyone, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shafe Daily Live as we're here tonight talking about the St. Louis Cardinals and a couple of wins in a row. How about that? The Cardinals, 3-1 to winners over the Cubs tonight, Monday night at Wrigley Field, and they're coming off the heels of a win. Yesterday, they got the best of the Detroit Tigers in the finale of that series, 12-6. We've uh, missed each other, right? Haven't been on the stream the last couple of days. I was out of town. I was in New Jersey, but I'm back home and ready to talk about, well, all hell breaking loose, essentially, while I was gone. Yeah, the Wilson Contreras thing, I think the conversation can maybe be a little more level-headed, a little more friendly, a little more positive when you come off of a Cardinals win that Contreras did contribute pretty heavily to, so that was nice to see. But let me know what your thoughts are about this entire Contreras situation. I think we're going to spend a lot of time tonight on it, but make sure real quick that you have subscribed to the YouTube channel that you have liked this stream because it helps me out a ton uh, to get those numbers going. And if you're able, retweet the tweet on, uh, well, Twitter would be where you'd retweet it, about the live stream. Appreciate you guys for everything you do to help get this thing going. As I mentioned there off the top, I am hopeful that the live chat will cooperate with me tonight. It looks like I can sort it between top chat and live chat. I'd rather do live chat so I don't miss anything. And so that's what I've got. I've set it to where it'll be chronological. So uh, fingers crossed, let's get this thing going. All right, I feel like we should start with what's the most timely, and that's the Cardinals win tonight. Talk a little bit about my impressions of this game. I know we will be talking a lot of Wilson Contreras, and this, I will admit, is a very interesting and somewhat difficult topic. Uh, Firstly, because I wasn't there over the weekend, and so I can't pretend to have uh, all of the inside knowledge. I wasn't there for these conversations. But from what I understand of these conversations, whether it's Ollie Marmol and talking about Wilson Contreras, like not a lot of concrete information going around when it comes to what the Cardinals are actually doing and what has compelled them to remove Wilson Contreras from the catcher spot. But I want all of y'all's opinions and your thoughts on this, and we'll try to sort through it together. Uh, that sounds pretty good to me. But the important part for Monday is that the Cardinals won this game. They win a series opener for the first time in 2023. They've now got two wins in a row, and a win on Tuesday would be a winning streak. They haven't had three consecutive wins all season long. They've gotten some favors from up top in the NL Central. The Brewers, the Pirates, not playing great baseball recently. If you kind of squint and maybe cover one of your eyes, you could see a path, I think, suddenly to the Cardinals maybe turning this thing around. They're still 12-24. and There is still a long way to go. But tonight, they got some help from one of the areas of the roster that had been struggling over the past week, and that's the bullpen. The Cardinals in the bullpen had not been getting the performances that they've needed, and it seemed like we've talked about the whack-a-mole theory where even on nights where maybe the offense shows up or you get a quality start, the other thing will be what messes you up. And it's been the bullpen recently that has had some struggles. And tonight you got kind of uh, several of the major players, Hannesis Cabrera, Jordan Hicks, Ryan Helsley, all coming through and helping the Cardinals secure a win on a night where Miles Michaelis was just not very efficient. You like seeing the seven strikeouts. You don't like seeing the three walks and the line score only giving him four and a third innings. He was up to 96 pitches. Ollie Marmel pulls the plug there. Goes with Henesis Cabrera to try and keep things stable. And Henesis was able to do that. The Cubs come up with just the one run there in that fifth inning. But it's all they would get on the night. And how about Jordan Hicks coming in later on? Like, there were ducks on the pond in this game. The Cardinals 
They had six walks allowed to the Chicago Cubs, and they were able to work around the majority of them. Only the one by Michaelis there in the fifth, I think, comes around to score. And so that's pretty impressive work for the Cardinals in a situation where the bullpen just had not been getting it done recently. The work they got from Cabrera, from Hicks in particular, I know a lot of people saw him coming into that game and were going, I don't know if this is the right decision, uh, but I think he proved that it was and that, listen, if he's going to continue to be on this team and a member of that bullpen, Ollie Marmel has got to keep going to him in those types of situations. He got the big strikeout on the sweeping slider uh, to end uh, the, the sixth inning, I believe it was, and then he came back out for the next inning. And then you get Ryan Helsley cleaning things up where he left off to be able to finish things. Good job by the bullpen. The Cardinals needed this kind of win because the offense on a cold day at Wrigley uh, wasn't necessarily going to give them a whole lot. But Wilson Contreras was the one guy to make sure it was all good. Wilson Contreras had the hardest hit ball of his career tonight is what I believe I saw flying across Twitter. 117 miles per hour off the bat. Now, that was a ground out to Dansby Swanson at shortstop. Uh, Kind of unfortunate that you hit that on the ground with that sort of exit velocity but he ends up with the big double to put the Cardinals ahead in the sixth inning, I believe that was. He had a two-for-four night with a couple of RBIs, drove in uh, what the Cardinals needed essentially in this game. Wilson Contreras, two, Chicago Cubs, one, and Wilson got things started in that second inning where he got the base hit and scored. So really good to see from Wilson Contreras, especially considering everything going on with him right now. Where do we begin with this? And I'm just going to try to speak on it briefly and then I want to get your guys' thoughts on the game, first of all, and the the situation as it pertains to Contreras. I mean, this kind of came out of left field in a lot of ways. You knew the pitching had been struggling. That wasn't a surprise. I mean, it may have been a surprise, but when the Contreras stuff all comes to a head over the weekend, you could go, all right, I can connect those dots. The pitching has struggled They might be looking for a scapegoat. There might be a a lack of comfort there, something going on as it pertains to Wilson Contreras. And and the breadcrumbs were kind of there over the past week, too, as you saw more Andrew Kisner starts. And Ollie Marmel tried to say it was because of him facing left-handed pitching. They liked the matchups against lefties, which may have been true. More of the Kisner starts prior to the past week had come against lefty starters. Uh, So there might have been a little bit of validity to that. But clearly there was something else going on, and I still don't think we're to the bottom of it. I still don't know if we'll ever find out exactly the like the genesis of this conversation and why the Cardinals have made this drastic move just more than a month into a five-year contract with Wilson Contreras that they have basically benched him from the catching position for the time being. It's kind of an indefinite situation, but also one that, uh, at least especially the way they talked about it on the broadcast tonight, they're looking to turn it around and Wilson at least believes he's going to be back behind the plate soon. If you saw some of the quotes flying around from guys like Adam Wainwright this afternoon, he said he'd be happy to let Wilson Contreras, to have Wilson Contreras catch him in his next start. So kind of a mixed bag of of, of questions and understanding of what's going on with that whole deal. But it did take me by surprise, and I thought when that was all coming out over the weekend, it came out in little chunks, and none of it made sense to me. From the very beginning, it was like, okay, he's not going to be the catcher. And you look at it and go, okay, Kisner is caught a little bit more frequently. Something's got to be going on here behind the scenes. And the Cardinals pitching has struggled. And so is it a case where the Cardinals pitching staff is just for whatever reason not on the same page, lacking that comfort right now with Contreras, the new catcher? Like we've talked about these things on the stream before, the notion that, hey, they're used to Yadier Molina. This guy comes in. 
and is a veteran in his own right. He's done it before at the major league level. World Series catcher in 2016, right? Like he was part of that team. It's not like he's brand new to this, but the expectations, being on the same page, just understanding how the pitchers in St. Louis like to do things. Maybe there's a learning curve there. We talked about how it might not happen overnight that the chemistry would develop so quickly, which is why it was so important, I thought, that Wilson Contreras decides to forego the World Baseball Classic and make sure he's there in spring training with the Cardinals down in Jupiter for the entire time so that he's able to maximize his opportunities and his chances to grow and and mesh with the pitching for this team. And so that's what he did. And yet, we're still in this situation where the Cardinals feel like the only option they have at this point is to take Contreras out of the equation, at least for a little while, behind the plate. And that's a drastic move. I think that's the bottom line of this is no matter what it is and what the reason behind it is, like it probably doesn't happen if the Cardinals aren't 11 and 24, or now they're 12 and 24. Like if the Cardinals aren't dreadful in the standings to begin the season, it's one of those things where, yeah, Jordan Walker probably doesn't get sent down. They just let him work through things. And even though you might have a few too many outfielders for daily spots, uh, it's not the end of the world. The vibes are strong, so let's keep it the same. Maybe that's what would have happened as well with this Contreras situation where you say, well, the pitching may not be maximized right now, but if we're not losing games, maybe we don't do anything about it. But the Cardinals have been losing a lot of games, and they felt like, you know, I've talked about DEFCON 1. That's where I have been on this Cardinals season, and they felt like maybe a a reactionary move or a move that that happens without waiting any further for things to go even more down a path that's not productive, they felt like it was time right now to make a move like that. But isn't the way that this comes off is like Contreras is the big-time scapegoat for everything that's been going on. Wilson Contreras did not and does not call for, for instance, Cardinals pitching to throw two-strike pitches right over the middle of the plate. He might call for a curveball, but he doesn't call for a curveball hanging in the upper third of the strike zone, dead red in the middle for Luis Renifo, that Jack Flaherty throws it right over there and and allows a three-run home run. We talked about that Renifo play the other day. There was no other option than to hit that ball over the wall. It was a hanger in every sense of the word. So at what point is the execution of the pitchers making these pitches happen an important factor in this as well? Or is it just, well, he doesn't do things we don't like. Like, It's all very vague, right? We don't even really know specifically what the issue is because you look at everything that's come out, and Ali Marmel has said, I want to be very clear. This is a quote from, I think it was yesterday, maybe two days ago. I want to be clear. Wilson Contreras is not the reason we're losing games. Wilson catching is not the reason. He's not the problem. Okay, then why? You see where that doesn't really add up with this significant move, that that decision that's being made about a catcher who you have devoted $87.5 million to. You've committed that over the next five years, and you're a month into this situation. It's a little strange, right? And so Moore comes out and says, well, they're going to put him at DH, and they're going to put him in the outfield. The Cardinals say, I think that came from Ollie Marmel, where he's going to get some time in the outfield. And that's the point at which I looked at this, and I was like, this is insane. This is, I mean, this is crazier than I thought it could possibly get. Because did the Cardinals not just have a situation a couple weeks ago where they had to send down their top prospect, who is an outfielder, because of how crowded the outfield was? 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Did they forget that that was the situation they were living in? I understand that Tyler O'Neill is on the injured list right now, and so at least for the next couple of weeks, that clears up an additional spot that you wouldn't have otherwise had, and you thought, well, maybe we could throw him out there. It took the Cardinals all of a day to retract that and go, well, no, he's actually not going to play in the outfield. If you needed any more proof that they're making it up as they go along, that, I mean, what else are you looking for? Because that's that's all the that's all the evidence I need that maybe they're not on top of this thing in its entirety. And I think that's true going all the way back to before they signed him. Remember how much was made of the December meeting down in Florida between John Mozeliak and Wilson Contreras and the other Cardinals brass that were there. I believe Ollie Marmel was there. But there were a few Cardinals brass, and it was a it was like a job interview, essentially. We're going to look to sign this guy. Is this the move that we want to make as an organization? And they had the opportunity to get to know Contreras, get to know all that he was about, and presumably express some of the expectations the Cardinals had for what it would mean to have him as the catcher of the Cardinals and what that might look like from an expectation standpoint. And now we're hearing things within the last couple of days where John Mozeliak says, they need to get Wilson Contreras and the Cardinals on the same page of what they expect from the catcher position for the Cardinals. That's not what we heard in December, right? Or whenever that meeting, I think it was December. That is not the language that we were expecting to hear a month into the season based on everything they had said, which was, oh yeah, it went great. They were reassured by the meeting. It's crazy how there can be such a lack of communication. It almost it boggles the mind that the Cardinals can have one thing in mind, come away from the meeting thinking, oh, they, we've got our guy, and then a month later, five weeks later, it's a completely different situation. Now, again, I think it's reactionary because if you're at 500 right now, it's probably not the end of the world to have some, you know, some growing pains with a new catcher. It, it's not as noticeable necessarily. But when as many pitchers as they've had have been struggling, and I don't know, again, I don't know for a fact that this is what took place, but I have to figure that at some point along the line, there were pitchers that said to Mosellock, Marmel, somebody with the Cardinals, like, hey, this stuff with Wilson, something's not right. Something's not what, what it needs to be. And you you think through that list, and you go, okay, Adam Wainwright hasn't pitched to Wilson Contreras this year because he's been on the injured list. And then Kisner start his, uh, caught his one start over the weekend as this was all kind of coming to a head on Saturday morning. So, all right. Miles Michaelis has, you know, seen some more Kisner, but Contreras has caught him. Montgomery, you know, has been caught by Contreras, but Montgomery has kind of been their one productive starter this year outside of one or two outings. He's been pretty good. Matt's has really struggled, but that was true of Matt's last year. And then Jake Woodford, you know, he's started for a while, but now he's out of the rotation in favor of Wainwright. So, like, you kind of go through it, and you're like, I don't really know what dots need to be connected, and maybe it doesn't matter. But clearly, somewhere along the way, the Cardinals were like, yes, this is there's validity to this because we're going to act upon it by saying we're going to sideline Contreras and, and try and work on some things behind the scenes so that he can get up and ready. And here's another weird part of this. Like, 
the natural inclination would be, oh, you know, is Contreras not working hard enough? Is he not doing enough to prepare? Is And Marmel completely rejects that in multiple different quotes that I have seen. says, no, it's nothing about his work ethic, and he's working hard, and he's doing all the right things. Okay, what is it? Nobody knows. It's impossible to figure it out, and they're not really saying much. So I have no idea. We can speculate. It's fun to do so, but it's become kind of a national laughingstock in a lot of ways where this becomes something that, you know, Ken Rosenthal writing about it at The Athletic, and that was where John Moselak makes his quotes, right, to, to The Athletic. Didn't have like a, from what I understand, any sort of media, you know, scrum or anything like that in St. Louis over the weekend. Um, you know, repeatedly, reporters were trying to, figure out through Marmel and those conversations what was going on, but nobody really seemed to, it's just very strange. It's very strange. And there's not, and like the Cardinals have said, it may not make sense right now. And that's, I saw a quote, I think John Denton put that out, that it may not make sense right now. And, you know, but in the long run, we think this is what's best and what needs to happen. And so that's kind of one of those things where, yeah, the speculation is going to run rampant because they're not saying anything. It's very vague. We're not really getting an understanding of, of why this move was made in the first place other than, you know, something's amiss, something's awry behind the scenes between the Cardinals pitching staff and, and the way Contreras has gone gone about it. Or it's it's even hard to like pinpoint exactly where it's where it's gone south, other than you can look at the results and the results have been poor. But I think about the results and think about the fact that Contreras said, well, he had a FaceTime with Yadi, with Yadi or Molina, and Yadi said, Yeah, it's the pitcher's not ex- executing in two strike counts. No kidding, it's not. That, I mean, exactly. So I just don't really understand where that is something that Contreras takes the blame for. Jack Flaherty in, in his his quote, one of his quotes after his last start where he gave up 10 runs, and that was about five days ago because he's starting Tuesday now. But Flaherty was awful in that in that outing, and, and the two strike counts came back to bite him majorly. But he said, as a staff, you know, we're making terrible, we're throwing terrible pitches, pitches that don't make sense. And so you're like, well, is that a criticism of Contreras, or is that just a realization as Flaherty said, I didn't get pulled from the game because of my my forearm getting hit by a, a comebacker. I got pulled from the game because I sucked. And so is he just taking responsibility there on behalf of the entire staff and saying, we didn't do what we would need to do in these two strike counts. So we're throwing pitches that don't make sense. Or is that a criticism of the pitches that are being called? Hard to really say. And another aspect of this is pitchcom exists now. So you as the Cardinals are going to pin all of this on the guy calling the pitches when in reality – I don't know what the process would be, like the application process to say, I'm going to be a pitcher that calls my own pitches, but I would imagine that there are some veterans on this Cardinal staff that have been doing this for long enough that theoretically they could. I don't know if that's been broached. I imagine it's come up, but I haven't seen what the Cardinals have said about it if they've been asked about it. It's just another aspect of this that you look at and go, is it pitch calling? Is it just looking for a scapegoat because the execution has been so poor in those situations? Like, it's really hard to get down to the nitty gritty of what it is, and it could be so many. It could be so many things and a combination of things at this point. And I sort of got a theory about for the Cardinals and for John Mozeliak and company. This is like their come to Jesus moment. Of they have said for years and talked ad nauseum about how great Yadier Molina was and how vital to their success Yadier Molina was, and all of these wonderful, like very legitimate praise quotes that you would get about Yadi over the years, and it's like, did they forget they said all of them? Because if you're going to praise Yachty for how great he was and how 
integral he was to managing things and handling the staff and all those things, would it not stand to reason that when you end up with another catcher that isn't Yachty, that it's not just going to be a smooth transition that happens overnight automatically? Like, it's either they were just blowing smoke the whole time about Yachty and they didn't actually think those things that they were saying, and they they just said them because they sounded nice, or the things they said about Yachty were very true, and they almost only knew the tip of the iceberg about all the work that he put in and how how important it truly was. Like, they could say it and say it and say it, but it's not until he's gone and somebody else doesn't matter who it is. It happens to be a six-year, seven-year veteran of Major League Baseball that's done this at a high level. But it, would it even matter if it's not Yachty and we didn't really fully grasp what we were asking of the guy we were bringing in, we didn't even fully understand or comprehend all of the things maybe that Yadier Molina did and the, the, the weight that he carried for the club year after year after year, the weight that he carried for the pitching staff, I think it's legitimately possible that they just didn't, the Cardinals didn't even realize. Like the reason that a month into it, they're already having to pivot and go back to the drawing board with Contreras before they send him back out there to be the catcher. It's like they maybe didn't even fully understand what they were asking Contreras to do because so much of what Yachty did probably still flew under the radar even for as great as everybody thought he was. That's kind of my running theory at this point. It's not groundbreaking by any means, but I just think, boy, has Yachty's Hall of Fame candidacy really ticked up in the last week. Like, is that crazy to say? I don't think it's crazy to say at all because people are maybe gaining a newfound appreciation for a guy that they already thought very highly of. And again, that that doesn't have to and shouldn't necessarily be a reflection of Wilson Contreras as much as it is the Yachty era and the fact that the Cardinals, I don't, I don't even know if took it for granted is the right way to phrase it because, again, they were constantly praising Yachty for what he brought to the table. But it's almost, can you even know the full extent of it until there's another guy in that seat and you had a three-hour meeting with him in Florida and he sounded really enthusiastic about filling the shoes, but then you get in there and you go, oh, man, maybe I didn't fully understand what these guys wanted from me, which is why I would feel bad for Contreras because it's like, what is he to do? He thinks he's doing, you know, the things he's supposed to do. And again, there could be a smoking gun or there could be an explanation that comes out in two weeks or in a week or in a month or next year that adds context that's really important, that explains some of this, and would render some of our speculation tonight moot and would say, all right, we were we were barking up the wrong tree. That makes sense. But as of tonight, Monday, May 8th, 2023, we don't have it. We don't have that information, and so speculate we will. So let me know what you guys think. I'm going to jump right into the comments. But by the way, before I do that, the Andrew Kisner element of all of this, I think only further serves to prove or to show that the, the the route the Cardinals are on with this whole thing is insane. Because if you think back to after the season when the new Yachty was retiring and they talked about the offseason and what that would look like, this was, I think, back at like the winter meetings or even, even further before, it might have been November at the GM meetings, where they basically were very out front about saying, we need an everyday starting catcher. We don't have that guy in the org. And I didn't think Andrew Kisser was going to be an everyday catcher, but I thought, they might go get a veteran or get a guy that they could they could have carry 60%, 65% of the load. Kisner would get a bump up and could finally have a, a more of an opportunity to show himself. Maybe he plays 35 40% of the time, get it close to a 50-50 timeshare. That's kind of what I thought. And then you read the quotes, and it was very clear the Cardinals had no intention of doing that. They wanted to fill the position 
and Kisner would be strictly a, a backup like he was to Yachty. And I was like, okay, they have they have said all they need to say about what they think of Andrew Kisner, which I thought they're kind of throwing him under the bus a little bit, but I get it. The offense wasn't there last year. Uh, that you know they felt like this was a legitimate need. They got to get somebody, and they wanted to get Sean Murphy. The Athletics said it's going to cost you this and this and this. And the Cardinals, instead of going, all right, what about this? It's as though they just walked away from the table and said, well, screw you guys. We've got we've got this uh, line in on Contreras. We're just going to go pay for our catcher. And they heard what they wanted to hear in that meeting, and that was that. But it's kind of crazy to think about they didn't give Andrew Kisner the time of day at all before going after and diving headfirst into the catcher market. Like, they were so afraid of having Andrew Kisner be even 50% of their catcher situation for 2023 as if they, like, let's pretend they don't get Contreras and they don't get Sean Murphy and they just have to go sign a guy like a Tucker Barnhart. He goes to the Cubs like a guy from that ilk, a guy from that bucket. And they probably split it 50-50. The Cardinals were so afraid of a situation like that. And I'm saying they were afraid, not because they said they were, but because their actions dictated that they were. They were so afraid that they literally, after finding out that the Oakland Athletics asking price was prohibitive, instead of going, well, we can we can just wait this out and see what happens, they literally jumped feet first and said, well, we're just going to have to pay Contreras. doesn't matter what the price, doesn't matter. We got to get him because we don't want to be left in the cold without either one of these guys or, or without the catcher, uh, one of the catchers from the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, if 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 we can't convince those guys to trade for a fair price. The Cardinals asked around to the Blue Jays and to the A's, and they were working on a trade for a catcher, and they didn't like what they heard as the asking price, and so they just said, all right, well, we have to get Contreras because he's the only big free agent name on the market. If we don't get him, we're screwed. That's the way they behaved in the offseason. They signed him. They didn't wait around for Sean Murphy to even be traded because they were afraid of losing the leverage at that point. It's, it's Moselock not calling a bluff. And again, I'm saying all of this as an analysis of the, the catcher pursuit in the offseason, not as a criticism of Wilson Contreras with a signing because I think Wilson Contreras, as he showed tonight, can still be a valuable player to the Cardinals. I think he can still be a valuable catcher to the Cardinals, by the way. But offensively, like you saw what he did tonight, you saw the energy that he brought to the table, huge. Vitally important to what the Cardinals are doing. And I think he will continue to be. So that signing can end up being a good one. We're not we're not doing the moratorium on the signing after after 40 days. It's not going to be that kind of show. But I just think it's really interesting that you can look back at the pursuit of a catcher and know that they were in the trade markets. And yes, the reporter asked whether it was uh, Ken Rosenthal and Derek Gould have two differing views on this, whether it was Donovan and Newt Barr and Graceffo or one of Donovan, Newt Barr plus Graceffo to get Sean Murphy. Those are, those are kind of the, the reports that are out there. Either way, Cardinals didn't want to trade any of those guys, and I think for good reason. What a throw by Brendan Donovan tonight from left field. You can give him the utility man gold glove now. Just go ahead and give it to him for the second year in a row. He is He's just that good at all the different positions that he plays. I, for a time last year, was thinking, this guy's not really an outfielder. I think they can put him out there, but I don't, I don't necessarily think you should be comfortable with it. I was wrong. He's just a ball player. He continues to make good plays no matter where you put him. Impressive stuff by Donovan, but that's why the Cardinals don't want to trade him, right? They love the on-base skills. They love the defensive skills and the the utility that you can have with a guy like that. Didn't want to trade him. Didn't want to trade Newbar. He's the one guy that they said was going to be in our starting outfield going into the year. That was Ollie Marmel back in, I mean, November, December was saying those things. So 
you can understand why the Cardinals would balk at that additional asking price. But if you look at what the A's ultimately got for Sean Murphy, it's not anything close to the equivalent of Newt Barr, Donovan, plus Graceffo. It's just not. I get Kyle Moeller they end up with, and it was a three-team trade, so it's a little bit complicated. Esteri Ruiz they come up with from the, the Milwaukee Brewers. It's like they didn't even get that guy from the Braves where Sean Murphy ended up going, but the Braves sent William Contreras to Milwaukee, and so it all kind of balanced out a little bit. And Ruiz could be an interesting player. I don't think he's going to have any power, but if he gets on base even remotely close to enough, he could steal 75 bases and be like a unicorn in the game if he and plays good defense. But like, I still don't think that the return that the A's got was even close to what they were barking up the Cardinals tree to try and acquire. And so there was no calling a bluff to say, all right, we think this gold glove caliber catcher who's also started off having a great offensive season with Atlanta, which you couldn't have predicted, but you knew he had a good bat attached to him as well. Kind of the full package. Cardinals could have said, this is the guy that we want, but we don't think they're going to get anything close to what they're asking for from us. So we will wait. But they were worried that Contreras would then go and sign and you'd lose out on both of them or Contreras would sign and you'd feel compelled to overpay for Murphy Moselec doesn't like to not have the leverage, and so he decides to, in that situation, get a jump on the market. Whether it costs the Cardinals remains to be seen, but the fact of the matter is they think it's a dire enough situation with Contreras right now. Whatever the smoking gun is that we don't know, they think it's serious enough to basically pull him for Andrew Kisner, the guy that they gave no due to whatsoever every single month since November until now. They were in spring training leaking out little comments about he might not make the roster. You know, Trace Pereira, who's now the third catcher on the team, was maybe going to get it. Are you kidding me with that? That was never realistic, and I understood. And I, If you listen to B-Shape Daily, if you've been around with me since before the season, you remember, I was saying it then, it would have been ridiculous to not have Andrew Kisner on this team. When you think about all the things that have changed, new pitching coach, New hitting coach, new bench coach, no Yachty, who's the captain of that pitching staff behind the plate. And you're going to bring in Wilson Contreras, who you have faith in. You think he can do a nice job. But you're going to have a completely green backup catcher that's not been with the Cardinals at the major league level at all as the the partner in crime behind the plate to, to fill the 162 games and not go Andrew Kisner just because he's not hitting enough? You've you've lost the plot, man. You've jumped the shark on the whole the backup catcher needs to hit thing. It's not. I I hope this whole situation shows that what I've been saying about this is accurate. That when people last week were talking about the Cardinals need to make a big shakeup right now, change out four or five guys from the roster, and I was one of those guys. I said they should shake up the roster before you even start thinking about firing a manager or anything like that, which isn't. It's not going to happen. But but at that point. People were including, yeah, change backup catchers. No, 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 no. I said at the time that would have been insane. I think you're seeing the value of the Cardinals. Maybe it's by default because of whatever's going on with Contreras, but the value of the Cardinals do place on the backup catcher position, having the wherewithal and the ability to handle the pitching staff. And Kiz has come up with an, a, a few nice swings at the plate, he's, but he's going to bat ninth, but he's going to catch damn near every day until this Contreras thing gets resolved. And he should. Because he's got the familiarity, it makes sense. They never were going to have it make sense to send him out, DFA or even option him, because you wanted more offense from the backup catcher spot. It would have made no sense whatsoever. 
And so hopefully everybody realizes that. Like, I know it's fun to to crap on Andrew Kisner when he's not hitting. I don't think people appreciate enough, and I've been saying this, I've been consistent on this. I don't think people appreciate enough what Andrew Kisner brings to the table for this team. I really don't. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the comments. So I had to get the Kiz stuff out because I feel like that is definitely related because it just even further exemplifies how wild the situation is. This is the guy that they went so far out of their way Right or wrong, they went so far out of their way to make sure Andrew Kisner was not the starting catcher or even half of a starting catcher duo that they would have signed, you know, a three, four million dollar veteran to, to split it with. They went so far out of their way on it. And now they're giving him the reins basically while they figured this out with Wilson. They were so reluctant to give Andrew Kisner the opportunities. And now he's gonna have them by default. And that's a choice that the team is making. So that 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 further explains, I think, the divide and and how really dire they feel this situation is. All right. Allison, appreciate you being here. Trevor says the Cardinals finally got Arenado's bat out of the lineup, and then they win. Let's go. Yeah, Arenado's scratched with neck stiffness. I think the word on that was that he got whiplash from trying to figure out, was Contreras an outfielder? Was he a catcher? Was he a DH? And he was just following the news cycle too closely. He flew too close to the sun, and he had a stiff neck as a result. No, he was in the lineup, and he was scratched late, so... Probably not something super serious you would hope because if it was, you know, he probably wouldn't have been in the lineup to begin with, but maybe it was just something that stiffened up on him. You know how a neck can be, how a back can be. Uh, So hopefully nothing serious with Arenado. But Trevor, as you know, the Cardinals, to get where they want to go, will need Arenado to be Arenado. That's the way I look at that. Asher says, let's go. Peter is here for the first time. Uh, Asher also wants to keep Arenado out of the lineup. I think y'all are crazy. You're crazy if you're, dumping on Arenado. He's struggled, but it's, again, it's only been 40 game, forty days, 35 games, whatever it's been. Come on now. Joe says, what up? Uh, the Contreras villain arc, and I'm all here for it. You knew it was going to be this way, right? Y'all remember back in spring training when I had that conversation uh, with with a Cardinals fan? I was at, the, at one of the bars down there getting some lunch, and two Cardinals fans were there at the bar. The, the woman's name was Debbie. She was really nice. And she was showing me her pictures. She got her pictures with a couple different minor league guys, and she was so excited. And then she explained the story about how Wilson Contreras was signing autographs and taking pictures for people. And one fan said, I'm going to send this picture to my friend who's a Cubs fan because it's going to make them cry to see Wilson Contreras in a Cardinals jersey. And Contreras said, well, they're going to be crying for a long time. That's a guy with some confidence. I know there's a lot going on with him right now, And this night could have seen Wilson Contreras fold under the pressure, feel like he's a miscast, you know, not not fitting in with his new team, goes to have his return where he spent his entire career before this. He could have easily faltered under that pressure, gone over, and had the Cubs fans eaten it up. Instead, he punched him in the mouth, man, with the performance he had tonight offensively. That was impressive to see. Love to see that first base hit get through the middle infield because he hit it with some good authority. But again, if it's a ground ball, it's liable to be scooped up by an infielder. Dansby Swanson does a really nice job. Uh, I'm telling you, Dansby Swanson, there's a world in which he was a Cardinal and Sean Murphy was a Cardinal and Wilson Contreras was who knows where because they could have spent that money on on Dansby. But again, you've got Mason Wynn coming. You've got Edmund and now Paul DeYoung. Resurgent, I don't think we're paying full attention to what DeYoung is doing because... Obviously, it's it's been uh, a bit of a rough time right now for the Cardinals, but he's still hitting 324 after tonight. Yes, he struck out a couple of times. He'll continue to do that. But when they make a mistake, when they give him one over the middle of the plate, 
he is going to do damage on it, hit a double into the left field corner tonight. So basically you've got a bunch of middle infielder types and shortstop types. And so, you know, the, the Swanson thing maybe wouldn't have made sense anyway, but I digress. Wilson Contreras gets the base hit, and then the double that I think under any other circumstance, if this game is being played in mid-July, that is 12 rows deep into the bleachers at Wrigley Field. Wilson got everything on that baseball. I think it was about 108 off the bat. He had the 117.8 miles per hour exit velocity on the grounder that Dansby did scoop up to his right. So he was hitting the ball hard, hitting it with authority, and every time, every time it was this. Yeah, let me let me hear it. Let me hear those boos. The dude thrives off of the villain arc. So it's a great call, Ryan. That's exactly what he can be for the Cardinals in this rivalry. It is so important. I know it's just one game, but again, everything is kind of magnified right now with the way the Cardinals are playing. I think it is so important to see Wilson Contreras be a key figure in a win tonight to just allow things to sort of feel normal again for the Cardinals, if only for a moment. Because he was right in the middle of everything over the weekend, and it was weird. It it felt bad. You felt bad for him. His confidence has not taken a hit. That much is very clear. And I think it was nice to hear that guys like Wainwright are helping to instill that confidence in him, even if he doesn't need it. The conversation that has been reported, Wainwright, Flaherty, Ollie Marmel, Contreras this afternoon, uh, or I believe the conversation actually took place on Sunday, and then uh, this afternoon was discussed in the media. Everybody got a public chance to know about it. But they basically, according to Wainwright, they wanted to pour into him and tell him, like, hey, you're still our guy. We are glad we've got you here. We want you to be here. We want you to be our guy behind the plate. And uh, that was something that Wainwright said. Honestly, I don't know if he's been told that, you know, before that meeting, which I think is interesting because the Cardinals pride themselves on communication and being able to uh, not only communicate the roles, but just the expectations and all those things with each player individually. Every guy is different, and it just feels as though maybe that's been lacking a little bit. The Cardinals didn't fully appreciate what it would mean to be able to have that sort of open dialogue and, and and relationship with the Wilson Contreras coming in and make him feel like he's a guy that could be a leader in this clubhouse. I thought it was an interesting conversation they had with Joe Madden. I think it was MLB Now, one of the MLB Network shows. Saw a video this afternoon of that where he said, I don't know the inside situation of what's going on there in St. Louis. I think it's he agreed that it was crazy to make this kind of move uh, after you know five weeks when it's maybe something that could have been handled internally and, and as you go along kind of let Wilson let him let him know what you expect of him as the catcher. That's kind of what Joe Madden thought. His his word is not all, but he does have experience having worked with Wilson closely as he was a young kid coming up through the system and maybe a little brash, little bold, little hot headed. Uh, Joe Madden said a little easy to get get flustered and get upset when things don't go his way right away, and they work try to work through that with him. And so maybe the Cardinals are just experiencing some of that, but you've got a much more mature Wilson Contreras, I think, at this point than whatever you had when he first began his career with the Cubs six, seven years ago. And so I think it's just very interesting that uh, you're you're getting some outside perspectives on that as well. Um, But all in all, yes, as Jared says, happy for Wilson. After all that's happened, he deserved that tonight. He did, and I think it is vitally important for the Cardinals to be able to get that and to have his confidence go in the direction that it needs to um, the communication, I think, from the Cardinals, as I was saying, uh, hopefully moving forward will we'll be everybody on the same page and him knowing what he should be doing. Because if it's not being communicated, you know, they say, oh, well, we need the, we have these expectations and he's not meeting them, uh, not for lack of effort, but whatever it is, right? We don't know. It's just it's one of those things that you you would hope is being 
clearly communicated and, and can can get things back on the right path. But it was good to hear that Adam Wainwright is like, hey, the bottom line is we want this guy and we want him to be rowing in the same direction as us. And, and maybe that hadn't been communicated to him effectively enough, at least according to what Wainwright said. Again, we're speculating, we're reading into quotes, things like that, but you kind of have to when uh, the Cardinals not giving us a lot other than sort of these this vague idea of expectations not being met. Uh, Joel says that uh, he wants to thank me for talking about disc golf when I do. I just want everybody to know that disc golf is as fun of a, of a lifetime sport as you get. Anybody can play it. You should play disc golf. Uh, Mike, love a live stream after firing off some tweets all night. Yeah, man. Um, was able to, to be locked in on this game a little more than some of the weekend games. I was out of town, as I'd mentioned. But, uh, yep, this was one the Cardinals really needed to have. Asher says that was just the opposite of how Mo drew it up. They are wishing on his downfall. And he's raking. I don't think that's true. I think the Cardinals, I think if, if Wilson Contreras has a downfall, John Moselec has a downfall. That is the largest free agent contract in in Cardinals history that we're talking about. For a player that had never played for the team before, that's the Wilson Contreras deal. So if you're Mo, and again, Mo's job is not in danger. He's going to be kind of filtered out anyway within the next few years into a lesser role, kind of a transition of power as we've talked about. But his legacy is on the line, right? You don't want to have to be told, hey, it's time to shuffle out. You want to be able to name your terms. That was what was so important to him, and, and and he showed a lot of gratitude for that when he talked about it back in February at the press conference on his extension. But that maybe doesn't get to go exactly the way that he had hoped if they have a really bad season. They they might have to expedite some of those things. So, no, John Moselec is not wishing on the downfall of Contreras. Uh, it's rather the opposite. Rob says Arenado is playing better. And uh, they only scored three runs tonight. Why would remo- removing Arenado be the answer? Couldn't agree more. They got away with a, a lack of offense on a cold night. So it's, you know, balls aren't flying out of the yard. Wind blowing in. You know how Wrigley can be. But, yeah, I think Arenado, you know, he had that home run to Big Mac Lane the other day, I think it was. And uh, they could they could certainly use his bat in the lineup more the way we're accustomed to seeing it. And I, and I think once he gets over this neck injury, he'll be right back to himself as he, had again, had started to come out of it for sure. Uh, Joel wants me to head to Albert Oakland with him uh, when he rolls through Como. Yeah, I, it's just that I don't live in Como, so that's where it's a little tough. But Albert Oakland is my favorite. The Albert Oakland top is my number one disc golf course probably in the world, although Harmony, Harmony Benz is a lot of fun. That that Albert Oakland, man, that's my home. Uh, David says, probably too quick for this, but the intermediate term goal right now, you say 500 by the All-Star break? Um, they would have to rattle off a really impressive streak to to be able to say, yeah, you got to do this by X amount of date. But yeah, I mean, to get to f- back to 500 by then, I'm not going to do the math on it because I know it would still be rather prohibitive. But that's what's fun about these is that the math won't be prohibitive as much if you get that eight in a row or that, you know, that, that nine out of 12 or something to really turn things around quickly. Yeah, I would say if you can get to 82 games played and you're at 500, that would be a pretty impressive turn because they're not quite to that quarter quell of the season just yet, right? They're 12 and 24. That's 36 games. So if you win four of your next six or so, and then you're about halfway, yeah, they'd have to go on a run over that next 40 games. But I think it's, I think it's kind of imperative that they, they have the run sooner than later so that going into the trade deadline, they're looking like a contending team that, John Moselak and company will be compelled to add to it rather than just go, eh, we kind of have to just see what happens because that doesn't end up being good at all. Um, Let's see here. 
he's clearly bad. He's out and they win. That's easy math. No, Trevor's kidding. Had him in the first half. Janelle says, any clarification on what this sit-down with Contreras, Wayne O'Flaherty was, exactly what pouring into him means? Pouring into him is is a way to say they're they're lifting him up. They're trying to give him some encouragement is what pouring into him means. Um, to say, like, you're our guy. We we want you here. We are glad you're here. There's been a lot of narrative thrown around about how maybe the things you don't do well, and that was Adam Wainwright and company. And, again, I heard that from Wainwright. I don't know what Flaherty had to say about it, if anything. But maybe it was just kind of a reassurance of, hey, this has been a rough couple of days, and you probably heard a lot of things, and a lot has been said. He he. I, I didn't look this up for myself, but I saw a lot of people – referencing his Instagram had changed. Maybe some Cardinals uh, stuff had become less prominent on there. All of those sorts of things. The Cardinals, basically, those guys, I think, pouring into him to try to say, hey, you're you're important to us still, and to reassure him of that. Uh, what do I think about Edmund taking right on right at bats? It's something that he's done in the past. I saw it tonight. Honestly, the at bat he took uh, against, I think it was Merriweather, did not look good to me kind of chopping at the ball a little bit right on right. But I think it's related to he's only going to do it when it's a specific, you know, breaking ball or off-speed pitch that the guy on the mound possesses that he wants to try to negate. And from the left side, if it's a pitch that he's not able to, you know, he he did it earlier in the season a little bit. Um, I forget who the starter was, but he's done it once or twice. He's done it in, in the past as well, but it's a rarity. I don't think it's anything that is going to change in terms of, like, becoming regular. But at least anecdotally, you are seeing it a little bit more, Robert. Again, tonight, I didn't think he took a great at-bat from the right side, so I don't know if that's, you know, if that was just a one-off or if it's something that might have some validity and you want to see more of it moving forward. Allison appreciates the tweets during the game and asks what I think of the comments from Wainwright relating to Wilson. And so I I, I hope I was able to cover some of that already. Um, I think it's valuable and I saw some people saying like, oh, Contreras is not, you know, a, a little leaguer. He doesn't need you to boost his confidence like that. Like he's a he's a big boy. He's been around the block. Disagree. I think it could be effective for a new guy to feel like, hey, everybody's got my back after a weekend like he had had. I think that can be impactful. So I actually like to see what they said. Uh, and I thought that was a positive to have that kind of reassuring meeting with Contreras. Uh, Corey says, if we had a huge slump only to beat the Cubs in Chicago, then I support this possum game. And Scott says, yeah, Redbirds. Travis, organization tried to do some damage control today. Maybe if the situation had been explained the way it was today, Saturday, then we wouldn't be in this mess. But no one was on the same page Saturday. They weren't. It felt like they were making it up as they went along. It was a huge black mark, in my opinion, on the team and the organization and their ability to communicate these things effectively. Tell me not everybody was on the same page about it. We still don't know all about the origin of how it came to be and why they believe it's the best decision. But I will say, and like the outfield part especially, like it gets reported because it was told to Katie. Like Katie's not going to report that unless it's unless it's accurate. But then they go back on it and change their mind about hey, now he's not going to be an outfielder. Like the fact that that can happen in 24 hours, there is no world in which this ends up looking good on the Cardinals and like, oh, effective management. Way to go, guys. No, this was they've bungled it without a doubt. It can end up as just a blip on the radar, though. That's still where things stand is that it can end up being fine. It can end up working out for the best in the long run. And that's the way Ollie, in what I saw from him today, sort of has tried to gear the, the next steps of this conversation to say, hey, we know it may not look like it makes sense right now. We have a plan in place that we're committed to. 
And uh, we think in the long run that it's going to end up looking like a proactive move rather than reactionary to the record. And that remains to be seen whether that ends up being true. SEMO uh, Drummer says, huge game for Willie. Love to see it for him. The timing could not have been better. The timing could not have been better for him to have that game at Wrigley, his first time in there. And again, his hitting's been fine. It's not been overwhelmingly great, but it's been fine. And that's the only way the Cardinals are allowing him to impact the game right now. So the fact that he was able to do that in the very first game at Wrigley with all of this going on in the background, I thought was absolutely critical. Jacob mentions pouring into someone is sort of a Christian term, means communicating with someone, offering support and guidance. Yeah, and that's Wainwright's Christian background. I didn't want to, you know, wasn't going to bring bring that part of it up, but it's accurate that that's definitely a, a terminology that he gets from kind of his Christian background is is the way they uh, Christians do talk about things that way. Um, but, it, I mean, it stands to reason, not even like a religious aspect, to pour into somebody and to say like, hey, we've got your back and we value you. I'm not saying Contreras needed to hear that because, again, you look at him tonight and he's he's letting the, the fans, you know, yeah, boo me, I don't care. Like, he's a confident, bravado kind of guy. So maybe you say, well, he didn't need that confidence boost. I don't care, man. I think it is valuable to know in the midst of all of this when you, you might have some of your pitchers throwing you under the bus behind. Like, I don't know how this all came to be. Contreras maybe does, but I don't from the outside. But to have people say, hey, no, we value you. And Wayno going, I don't know if he had been told that before or if he had really heard that from us, but he needs to. I thought that was valuable. I don't think it makes you soft just to say that you value, you know, those interpersonal relationships. They matter. For a clubhouse like this, they matter. Jordan Hicks was phenomenal tonight in two innings of high leverage pitching. Jay Fish, you said it, man. Like, I know it's been a little bit up and down with Hicks in terms, and his ERA is still bad. It's still 6.60. And there have been times where it's like, you can't use this guy in leverage. And that's why I tweeted about it in the moment where I said, take note, like this is Ollie Marmel going back to the well saying, for the Cardinals to be the Cardinals, Jordan Hicks in this role is going to happen. It's going to be inherited runners. It's going to be, he's got to get the job done with two outs. He's got to get the final out of this inning. Like these are the thing. excuse me, these are the things that need to happen for the Cardinals to be successful. I am going to be stubborn about it. And I like that because I agree with it. Like I know Hicks has had trouble. Who are you putting in that role that you have confidence in? Is it for Hagen? He's been up and down. What what right-handed James Dan? I mean, come on, guys. There's There are only so many guys that are going to be eighth, ninth inning guys. The rest of them have got to be able to come through and leverage. And that's, I get it. It's It's been it's been off for Jordan Hicks. And so you're not a lot of, holding a lot of confidence in that right now. But that's what, that's what the Cardinals needed to see tonight from him. And they got exactly that. Hopefully that boost his confidence moving forward. It's just about consistency. And I feel like with Helsley at the end, they'll have it. Geo has started so well and then maybe hit a little bit of a snag. Uh, bullpen, I've talked about it for years. Relievers are fickle. There's an ebb and flow to these matters. And, you know, you just have to hope you get everybody on the same page kind of around the same time. But Jordan Hicks was absolutely huge for two innings tonight. They needed it. They needed it on a night where the offense was kind of, you know, mediocre at best. And Stroman was good. There's not, not to discredit him, but... They needed what they got from from Jordan Hicks tonight. Asher was really pessimistic about Jordan coming in, uh, as you can tell from your Twitter comments, uh, but happy he was wrong. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get feeling like the doom and gloom is going to happen before the moment even goes awry on the Cardinals because you've been able to predict it with with some, some real certainty over the last couple of weeks. Like, that's the way the season has gone. 
I felt like tonight watching the Cardinals game, like, no, I think they're just gonna they're gonna close this one out. I just it was like a calming situation. And at Wrigley, that's a weird, weird thing to feel because over the years Wrigley is just an invitation for chaos. But they handled it pretty well tonight. And uh, the, the the pitching staff deserves a lot of credit. Miles wasn't great, but he had good stuff. It's just, man, you got to tamp down that efficiency because imagine how nice it would have been to get six innings out of him and, and maybe save the bullpen heading into this series. But it is what it is. They got the dub. And they managed it aggressively. Again, Ali Marmol takes a lot of flack when things don't go well. I thought he pulled all the right levers and pushed the right buttons tonight with the bullpen. Trevor's completely serious when he says they cracked the code tonight. Having fun. Wilson emphasized it in his postgame. They all looked dead until Wilson started doing that tonight. He can be that guy. He can be that catalyst. The problem's been when he's done it, it's been kind of like a one-off, and then he, he's not, you know, the, or the team loses in the game where he's really kind of being himself, having fun. He can be a rallying kind of guy. Lars Newbar can be that kind of guy. I thought when Lars Newbar was uh, – was going for the stolen base that happened right ahead of the Wilson. I think it was the very pitch before the Wilson doubled that drove him in. I was thinking all inning, like, why is Lars not taking off? Like, the Cardinals need this aggressiveness. I've been talking about it a lot. I know that there's risk involved. The Cardinals need to find that medium, that happy medium of, like, there is risk in doing some of these things and and, and running more aggressively in all those matters. Have the confidence in yourself to execute when you do it, but do it more freely. I think the Cardinals will. Like, they have the guys, they have the personnel that can do it. They have the guys on the base paths. And I know Tyler's on the on the IL right now, and he would be another guy that you trust to run. But they got to get out and run a little bit more. I feel like that is that is a thing that can kind of wake up a dormant offense. Now more than ever, they've made it so easy. Bigger bases, disengagements. The pitcher can't throw over an infinite number of times. Like, the Cardinals should be a team that's taken more advantage of that than they have. But, he, hey, he got it tonight. Lars got that uh, that stolen base at the perfect time. And, and next pitch, I think it was, Wilson hit the double that everybody thought would leave the art. So that was definitely good to see and an important part in the game. But Trevor's right. Wilson can be a catalyst, and he certainly was tonight. Joe says the organization has done this the wrong way. Not on the same page. The Walker thing and now this, I agree. They're very comparable um, just in terms of you made one decision, but then it only took you a few weeks to retract that decision. What does that say about the, the quality or the work or the knowledge you put into the initial decision. It invites obvious questions there, in my opinion. Joe continues, no one knows what's going on. They tell everyone something different, and it's been a mess. I couldn't agree more, but you're happy about the W, Joe, and uh, that's good. Should be happy. Daniel's happy for Contreras tonight and says this was the best game of the year. Offensively, not, but I agree like it was important in ways that maybe you can't quantify with just like hitting a bunch of dingers and doubles. Like It's great to see the offense go. But to have just the, the gritty, hard-nosed win and to have the one particular player that I would say you needed to feel a boost tonight and, and Wilson being able to, to have that moment at Wrigley, I don't know if it's their best win of the year, but it's maybe their most significant win of the year so far. Rob says the Cubs lineup has struck out 50 times in four games and Horner probably sits tomorrow. If there's any time for a Flaherty get-right spot, it is tomorrow, and I agree with that. Flaherty was as bad as I've ever seen him five days ago. I mean, it was horrendous. Is it, what is it? Is it frustration with Contreras and he doesn't, you know, like the way a game's being called? Is it just frustration with himself when when he has one, two strike count, get away from him? He tries to get too fine and the rest of it piled on itself. Whatever it was, man, he just didn't look like Jack Flaherty, freewheeling, letting it fly. He's such a talented pitcher. The this could be a classic Wrigley game tomorrow where you get 
you get a little pitcher duel action going on uh, from the Jack Flaherty side of things. They could use it, man, because again, I think Jordan Montgomery has kind of been that steadying presence. And, and Wayno pitched pretty well over the weekend until it just got away from him. And you saw in the postgame, he was upset with the way it had went down. He was frustrated. He was voicing some of that frustration. But Flaherty is the guy that it's just like you're waiting for him to go on that run. And we haven't seen it in a while. I'm not going to be that guy that says, oh, 2019 second half. That's not really accurate. If you look at what he did 2021, beginning of the year, pretty good. It's always been about health, though, for Flaherty. By all accounts, he's he's healthy right now, which means he should be performing. And maybe that was a wake-up call game. If you give up 10, man, you're going to have to look in the mirror. You're going to be upset about the way that it went. Cardinals need him, though. They need him. In, and people are saying, well, why is Jack Flaherty involved in this sort of leadership conference when it comes to Wilson Contreras? I think his presence there was probably relevant for one reason or another. And he is a veteran on this pitching staff. So felt like it was probably important to have him involved in that. And uh, hopefully he's part of the group getting everybody on the same page and, and and can be a leader. He can be a leader with his performance, though, on Tuesday. There's no question. The part where Ollie curb stomped Willie C's receiving ability, asserts he could play outfield, and then Moselec tells Rosenthal, nah, not happening, makes me wonder if this is going to be Schulte-esque. That's from Scott. I don't think this is a situation where Mose and Marmel were on different pages. I think as an organization, they thought one day he's going to play the outfield and then change their mind. And I think that all comes from the top down. Like, I like I think this is a case where, again, speculation here, but you have pitchers saying, ah, something's whatever it is with Contreras, but that gets to Mosellac. Mosellac sees the team losing. He makes the decision. Yeah, it's in conjunction with Marmel, but if you think Ollie Marmel, and I tweeted this out the other day, but I still believe it. If you think that Ollie Marmel took a look at things going on, and looked at Wilson Contreras, $87 million asset at catcher, and says, you know what might be fun? Put him in the outfield. You don't know how it works. John Mozeliak had his fingerprints on this. He made the decision, the final word, to sign the guy, and now he is you know, instrumental in the decision to, to, to have him take a step back to be sidelined as the catcher for now. Uh, all he makes out the lineup technically, but this is something that has to come from the, the front office or it doesn't, it doesn't play out this way. But I agree with Scott. The fact that that was honestly the most laughable part of the entire thing for me, and there's a lot of it that, that you kind of can can kind of cock your head sideways about. But if one day they're going to say he's an outfielder, and the next day they go LOL JK, that is as I mean as evident that it needs to be of not everybody being on the same page and just kind of freewheeling making it up as you go along. And I don't think this was as planned out as it could have been. I kind of could see Joe Madden's standpoint where he had said on MLB now that like, hey, this could be something that maybe they just talk about behind the scenes and nobody ever finds out about. And there's aspects of this that nobody is ever going to find out about because the Cardinals aren't spilling all the beans right now. But it got public enough. And it got it got so public that it's a national story across baseball. Everybody's already looking at the Cardinals going, 10 games, 12 games, 14 games below 500. What's going on in St. Louis? And now you're seeing some of this stuff get out there and people are talking about it and there's going to be more digging done by national media. And, and, you know, it's not the kind of attention you want if you're the Cardinals. And so, yeah, it's, uh, I agree with Scott. It, there was so much weirdness, man. It's probably a good thing that I didn't stream over the weekend because I would have said some probably regrettable things because I was looking at every, every update as you guys were going, what the hell are they doing? This is a joke. 
and I still kind of think it's a joke, but it's one that can end up being, again, a blip on the radar if they address it, fix it, turn it around, and every everybody's better for it. Could, could we look back on it that they should have handled it differently? Sure, but it doesn't have to be ruined the five-year contract. Like, that doesn't have to be what happens from this. They think they're on the right path now, and I, I sure hope they are for everybody's sake involved. Ryan says that Contreras will be the last big-name free agent to come to STL under this leadership. It is interesting because you were already operating with a limited resource pool. Guys like Arenado, Goldschmidt, they wanted to be here. You traded for them and then, you know, are able to convince them to stay long-term. Goldie signs an extension before he ever plays a game. Arenado um, agrees to not opt out, and now that's, you know, a thing of the past. He's here for long-term. And so those things end up happening. But Contreras, like, wanted to be a Cardinal, and so that's why they were able to convince him to go, to go, right? So it's a limited resource pool. The Cardinals can't just go out into the market on any given year and go, we're going to pay the most for this guy. And maybe they can, but they've refused to do it. They've had to have, like, legwork put in ahead of time. Contreras was gifted by Yachty a jersey, right, during last season when he was still a Cub. Like, the legwork was being put in to, to a, recruit this guy. So Ryan says he'll be the last big name free agent to come. I'm saying that might've been the case, even if this hadn't gone weird, because it's got to be a very particular type of guy where, where it's almost, I'm not saying it's like tampering, although Yachty given the Jersey, that's pretty good move. Organizationally, nobody was involved in that. So no tampering, but it's almost got to be that kind of situation. It seems for the Cardinals to be able to land one of their dudes. Um, Trevor questioning whether Flaherty can get right. We'll see. Uh, new left fielder, uh, Corey has maybe seen enough of Alec Burleson. Yeah, I mean, Alec Burleson, Ali Marmo clearly was was enthralled by Burleson coming in. But he's an offensive player, and if he doesn't give you offense, what does he give you? He's OBPing 269, hitting 218. I'm going to go ahead and say that was another example of a of an edict the Cardinals came into the season with where they said, we're planting a lot on this guy. He's going to bat number two in our lineup a ton. And it just didn't work out. And I don't think he's that guy. I think he's a good major league player. I don't necessarily think it, he he needs to be an everyday player in the outfield. Um, I, I don't think you should bury him on the bench for a week. Send him to AAA if he's going to. It's the same thing with, with Walker. If you're not going to get him at bats. And now they may have to. If Contreras has to DH every day, that means Gorman has to play second. And that means Brendan Donovan's going to play some outfield. So you've gone from having five outfielders for three spots to now an infielder playing the outfield. Crazy how quickly all of that has has kind of changed, but injuries, we said, you know, injuries can happen, and it's going to definitely alter the situation if and when they come about. The Cardinals throughout this losing streak had actually been pretty fortunate that injuries had not really been a part of it very much. You had Wainwright and then not really anything else of note. Now with O'Neill on the shelf a little bit, you're kind of seeing the, the deck cleared. Everyday Dylan has another appearance with the RBI to, to get things going for the Cardinals. Hashtag everyday Dylan. Continue to tweet it whenever he does his thing. Um, luckily, though, he is an everyday player now because uh, of the way the outfield has shuffled. It took the Cardinals a little bit. Another guy that it seems like they might have buried his confidence. He's starting to find it a little more, though. Um, he looks good in the outfield. He looks better at the plate. He's not going to be, you know, perfect necessarily. And, and I'm not saying he's even going to be an, 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 a league average or above average hitter when it's all said and done. But I think it's he's got the potential to do that. And if he's a league average hitter with the type of defense that he can play, you're going to get a lot of value out of that. 
Um, still a long way to go. The OPS only 636 for the season, and I get that. I'd play him every day. I'm not. It's not up for debate. It's not up for discussion, in my opinion. Uh, I just think you need to play Dylan Carlson. Um, he, he'll do a little slugging. He's hit seven homers over the past week, so you know, give him that opportunity. He'll continue to give you good defense. I think it's. I think it's enough personally. Um, we'll see long term whether the Cardinals agree with that. Quick drink. Rob says Jack might not be a top half rotation guy, but immensely better than what he's shown in the early goings. And I agree with that. I don't know what his ERA is and I don't really care because when you give up 10 runs in one game, that's going to really screw with your ERA. His, his numbers weren't that bad at all before that last game. And I still feel like he's got the talent to get it done. I think he can get himself kind of in a bad shape on the mound when things don't go his direction and he's put in a lot of focus trying to redirect that. But it would be nice to just see the stuff take over for for one of his outings, maybe tomorrow, and just allow it to flow freely because I think that could be something that could get him back into being a top half of the rotation guy. Because I, I still think that is his talent level. We'll see. Asher says, I think the ball that hit Buckner knocked some sense into him. Uh, joking, but he wasn't bad tonight. Yeah, the one that was bad it wasn't even necessarily a terrible call but the the strike three on Dylan uh I believe it was Carlson late in the game he took forever to call it and it was at the bottom of the zone and a, a batter is just going to be frustrated when you pause for like three seconds like you're thinking about it and then you punch him out so emphatically that was a little lame but no his strike zone for the most part was fine um Trevor said he's relatively bad since he's had health issues Struggles with command, nibbles too much. Yeah, I've found Jack Flaherty to be a nibbler, and uh, it's interesting, though. His problem in his last outing when he gave up the 10 runs, not necessarily nibbling, man. With two strikes, it was just throwing meatballs. It's the opposite of nibbling, which, again, makes me think maybe he's just in his head a little bit too much on some of these things. Um, We'll see how he's able to perform tomorrow, presumably with not Contreras uh, catching for him. Ryan Ray says the Cardinals need to quit using Wilson as a scapegoat for Moe's inability to put together a solid pitching staff Ollie constantly throwing players under the bus, uh, which Ryan says, I don't think he's really earned as a manager yet. Yeah, I mean, I could go one of two ways with that. Like, I don't think Ollie Marmel threw Wilson Contreras under the bus. I think John Mosellock did. Because, again, this decision does not happen independent of the front office to dial back Wilson as a, as a starting catcher right now. It doesn't. It's not like Ollie Marmel woke up one day and said, here's what we need to do with our $87 million catcher. It's not. It isn't, it's not. And so I think he's been put into a situation where he's got to try to explain without like lying about what's happening. He's got to try to explain, but also give very few details about why they're doing what they're doing. It's it's the dance he's got to play as the manager. Um, but I do agree with, yeah, Wilson's been the scapegoat and, and Mosellek has put together this pitching staff. He said, and famously said, we have six starters. Dakota Hudson was the sixth one. We haven't seen him all year. Uh, and the five that they've showed have not really, by and large, come come together and gotten it done. It's the two strike counts, man. That has been so brutal. And hopefully it's something that they're able to kind of move beyond because it's going to be a hard summer of Cardinals baseball if they can't. And Libertor not being with the team is a crime to humanity. Here's the one thing I'll say. Steven Matz did pitch pretty well yesterday. So... That was, I mean, if Steven Mass is going to pitch well, that's great because the Cardinals can't just have a spot in their rotation that's an auto loss. Um, the bullpen kind of coughed up a little bit yesterday to make it not a Steven Matz win, but Steven Matz did pitch well. I don't think he got the win yesterday anyway. 
regardless, um, I get it. But that's Libertor's spot if if Matt's falters. If he doesn't, you know, it's I don't really know what they would do to get him to get him here because he's not going to go to the bullpen, nor should he. Um, but Libby's going to have to continue just banging down the door by what he does at Memphis, I think. Michael says some of the pitchers must have said something about Contreras, and I agree. Like, I don't I don't have a smoking gun for you, but I'm, I mean, use your head. How does that, how does that situation come to a head if not the pitchers going, this is the complaints that we have? Which, again, I don't like the idea of that going on behind the scenes because the pitchers should hold themselves responsible for their poor two-strike pitching and their, their approach and their execution of those pitches. I, I don't know that I can look at it and go, oh, it's the, the pitch calling. No, dude, throw strikes, but throw them in the corners. Like, hit your spots. If you look around the league, Jack is still a higher end, number four, number five. I would say that is most teams don't have a number four or five with the talent level of, of Flaherty. But again, 10 ERA or 10 earned runs and one start is going to make your numbers look pretty rough. So I think he's for sure better than a than a four or five on most teams, even with the way he's pitching. Flaherty's at the center of this. Why he was involved in that little sit-down day. Contreras should laugh in his face and ask what he's ever accomplished. I don't think Contreras should do that because they would like to resolve this issue. And again, it may have been truly a Flaherty v. Contreras thing behind the scenes. And because the Cardinals aren't willing to like come out and you know give us the details on it, we're going to speculate. And I understand that's their right to keep it private. And it's our right to go, yeah, Flaherty was frustrated after that start. Cursing in the media, that sort of stuff. Is there something to that? And is maybe that's that why he is in that meeting along with a Wainwright to sort of reassure a guy and to say, hey, maybe he had a dust up with Flaherty, but it's we're going to move past it, and that's why we need you here to to kind of let bygones uh, be bygones. I don't know if that happened or not. It could have just been Flaherty is a leader on that pitching staff. He's had years of experience. He's been with the Cardinals a long time. And so that's where his his relevance comes in for that meeting. You know, your mileage may vary. We don't know the answer, I don't think. And so, you know, you're going to kind of wonder about it in either direction, which I get. He needs to perform better, says Rob. The team isn't making a trade for a rotation piece. Uh, we have what we have, hence why tomorrow is a get-right spot. Yeah, they're not making a move. Um, they've got the Libertors of the world and, you know, the, the prospects that are on the rise that could potentially fill in later if they need it. Um, if you get like a chance at a Dylan Cease or something wild at the deadline, that like let's say they climb back to 500, they're in the mix, and they have a chance to trade for a long-term answer at the top of the rotation, they should pursue that. But short of that, I, I just don't think you're going to see that kind of movement pre-July, right? Like they don't have six starters. That was a foolish quote. But they have a lot of bodies that they consider starters, and they've got guys on the on the way. And so it is sort of a, a logjam of sorts that they've got to sort out and decide who they who they want to back and who they want to maybe shift to a bullpen role or not or you know whatever the case might be. Brent says as much as Jack is in on all these major team discussions with Wilson tells me he may see himself sticking around or is pissed that his value is tanking. Um, I don't know if he sticks around or not. I think it's not. We as fans or media from the outside, we can look at a situation like Flaherty's contract and go, oh, every move he makes is with an eye on what it'll do for his next contract. I don't think that's reality, though. Like, you go to your job 
for six months and you might often think about, oh, I wish I made more money. Oh, I hope that I get this raise at the end of the year or whatever. But I don't think every move you make at your workplace is related to that. Like you just go through the motions of what you do in your workplace to be comfortable, be confident, be able to do a good job at your work. I think that, you know, in this case, their work is baseball and they want to win. Jack Flaherty wants to win and wants to be a part of that as a guy who's been around on this team for a while it would stand to reason that he's part of that leadership, right? So I think I think it could go any any direction with what, what his involvement entailed. Asher says that Jack snitched on Willie and Ollie, uh, you know, listened to that. You know, I don't, again, I don't think Ollie made this decision independently. I don't think he was even the driving force behind the decision. I would venture that was John Mosellock. So I don't agree with that assessment necessarily, but I understand uh, <laughs> some of the frustration that's being showed there in that comment. Uh, the pitcher's not trusting the catcher is a huge problem. It's not the only problem, but it is a problem uh, that I can understand. That's from Trevor. Also, Willie went out to prove Mo wrong tonight from Ryan. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to prove him wrong because he didn't get to catch, but I understand, like, the emotional connection of I want to show this team that I have that I have value to it, and after kind of being yanked around a little bit, I can say, here's what I can do. Um yeah, I think there's value to that. And Wilson was able to, again, he was the life of the offense tonight for sure. Oh, let's see here. Jack blows up the other day. Now seems like it was directed more at Wilson than coaching. He's leaving after this year, so it doesn't make sense long-term picture. We think he's leaving. I would be shocked if he were back. Shocked. But again, I don't think every decision he makes day-to-day or, or throughout a season is, what will this do for my contract? I don't think that's the way... He thinks because at, at your job, it probably wouldn't be like you might think about it a lot, but it's not like your like your every move is catered around it. If that makes sense, Seth says this was the most complete game of the season. I agree, most complete. Again, offense was kind of lacking, but it's good to see a, a a pitching staff come together the way that they did because Miles wasn't great. He was solid, but didn't get very deep. You got to be able to go more than five innings. But for the bullpen to back him the way it did, for the defense to show up the way they did. Uh, it was really good to see, and, and Trevor agrees. The leadoff double from DeYoung not getting in was the worst issue, and that's good for them lately. And I agree. Like, you'd love to have gotten that insurance on the DeYoung double late, and they strand him at second base, and so that's kind of been par for the course for the season. But it was a rarity when they had opportunities tonight. They were able to, uh, you know, score in multiple innings and, and, and get enough to get the job done. But the pitching staff backs that, right? If any one of the relievers ends up faltering in this game, we're looking at this very differently, and, and, and the, there's a lot of blame to go around. So it's interesting to contrast tonight with a 3-1 to win with some of the recent games like the Gallegos blow up last week. If he doesn't blow up, we're praising the Cardinals that night, which I think can be important to remember. Uh, Ryan says Flaherty needs to look in the mirror. And uh, the pitchers, it was Flaherty. He snitched and blamed his last outing on Wilson. I don't, again, we don't know that to be sure, but you could connect some of the dots to say that there were pitchers that were upset that thought, you know, there were things that Wilson, whatever, like, again, I don't even want to get in, into specifics cause I don't have them, but it is noteworthy to kind of see how that, how that goes. Uh, Trevor still wants to see Matt's in the bullpen and Libertor brought up if they truly want to take the next step, Seth adding for sure. Um, but I don't, Again, they're not they're not going to remove Matts after the start that he just had. I think five and a third, one run was charged to him. So, and uh, Asher says six and two with kids catching. I don't I haven't vetted that, but uh, maybe you're right about that, Asher. 
Scott says, quote, there's some validity to this question, question, question. Elaborate, Scott, because I don't know what you're what you're getting on there. Uh, Seth says the team needs to see if Libertor has the stuff for the big leagues. Can't be worse than Matt's. Again, Matt's did just have a solid outing, so I don't think they're going to be looking to make a change after that. If they weren't making a change after the previous Matt's outing, it's going to take another bad one or two to, to have them consider a move. I think they got close to making a move, but they stuck with him, and they, they were kind of rewarded for that on Sunday, so credit where it's due. Rob says the Cardinals looked at the pitching struggles, and they didn't bring up Libby and Palante. Uses with high leverage relievers, and they chose instead to relegate Contreras. Yeah, I don't understand how Palante is still in Memphis. Maybe there is something I'm missing. I don't know. I thought it was going to be a short stint for him down there. Performance in Memphis for him shouldn't even matter. It should just be a matter of getting him to St. Louis where he's been a valuable part of the team. Ryan says the number one hole on the roster entering the year was the pitching staff. Everyone mostly agreed to that, and it's no different now. Don't blame Wilson for poor pitching. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people did think that, but you also could have seen a world where it it would have worked out with the way the pitching staff was constructed. And I think it's becoming more evident that they changed so much at once that it was hard to imagine the pitching staff working out. But maybe that's why another reason they don't invest in it. Because, again, there were maybe, like a Pablo Lopez would have been the one pitcher that I thought would have made sense for the Cardinals to go get other, like there are free agents, but a lot of them have come up injured and you could have thrown a bag of money at somebody, but it would have changed. I think their willingness to do more in the years to come. And they didn't maybe think the exact right guy was on the market. Carlos Rodon was interesting, but he was 160 million, I think with the Yankees and he's injured right now. A lot of these guys have come up injured. Pablo Lopez is the one guy that I was like, man, for the Marlins, he'd be interesting. Again, I think you were looking at a newt bar you were looking at a Gorman or a Brennan Donovan to have to give up, maybe even more in, in the case of a Gorman, uh, because it seems like the Cardinals were more protective of Donovan based on reports than they were of Nolan Gorman. But you were going to have to give up something painful to get a Pablo Lopez. Luis Arias from the Minnesota Twins to the Marlins is the deal that was made, and he's potentially going to win a batting title this year. So it would have cost you something legit. That's the main thing. But I also understand people looking at the pitching. They did it. We talked about it. A lot of folks were saying at the time, got to do something about this rotation. And they didn't. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see what ends up happening with it and whether it's able to turn things around. Janelle says, I find it freaking hilarious. There's criticism of Contreras, but not Kisner. Um, worst I've seen crouch behind the plate. I don't agree. I don't agree with that. I think internally they like Kisner. They like, um, at least the pitchers do. They like the way he goes about calling a game for them. Um, I think you're looking at Kisner's batting average more than anything, Janelle. I don't agree with you. I don't. I think his offense has struggled for sure. Um, but I think as a catcher, I think he does a nice job. I do. Joe says that Monty has been perfectly fine all year, and he has. Kisner is the best defensive catcher on the roster, according to Seth, and I would tend to agree with that. Rob says largely it's bad pitching. I don't think it warrants keeping Kiz and his bat in the lineup over anyone behind him. Uh, or like Walker, if you were back, you're talking about maybe boxing out Walker in the D8 spot at that point. And there are three catchers on the 26-man. It's absolutely not efficient to have three catchers on this roster right now. It's not. And uh, she said I should, Janelle said I should stop trolling. Um, people are going to believe that you actually think Kiz is good. I do think Kiz is good. How about that? How about that? I do. I like him. I like Kiz. I think he's important. 
Um, Trevor says, kids can stay and he will. Trace can be the booted back into the void uh, backup and someone else can be brought up. They're not going to do it until they're ready to have Contreras catch. But once they, they get over this little weird thing that they're doing, um, they will. Asher says to look at the weighted runs created plus of Kisner. I never talked about his bat. He's not, that's not the value that he brings. It's defensive value, which is not WRC plus. That's not related to defense at all. And I think he's a good defensive catcher. And I've said repeatedly, I don't care what he hits. Although ultimately you'd like him to be able to contribute. I think the backup catcher position is, especially on this team that doesn't seem to, to trust its starter right now defensively. It's 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 more important than what Kisner can bring at the plate. Scott says, as another option, Ollie goes off on Willie in the media. Mozeliak has to undo the blurting out, like with O'Neill playing center field. O'Neill playing center field was an organizational decision from the top down. They liked the analytics behind it. They thought his raw speed, athleticism, could lead to basically building out a better center fielder because you had a speed advantage if he could figure out the instinctual nature of center field. They, I think, underestimated the difficulty of just becoming a great center fielder on the fly, which, yeah, it sounds crazy, and it didn't work. His instincts are not Dylan Carlson's instincts in center field, and you saw it not pan out. But, Scott, to your point, that was not like an Ollie versus Mo thing. That was they both were on board with it, and then they eventually had to both realize it was a bad idea. Uh, war is definitely relevant, Asher, but again, the bat- the backup catcher spot, I think, is different than any other spot on the roster because you have this element of managing the pitching staff when your starter's not in the game. And the starter is right now banished to DH, so that makes Kisner's role even more important. Uh, Asher says, listen to 590, see what Kiz says. He's on there a lot on, on 590, the fan. Uh, says the pitchers are comfortable throwing to him, which that's what I've heard as well about the pitchers. So for whatever it's worth, I think that matters, especially right now when we're talking about the Cardinals not feeling like the pitchers are comfortable with Contreras, which again, I think is maybe a scapegoat situation. I don't think it's totally fair to him, but it is kind of what's been happening. And Trevor says the way Wilson's handled it is exceptional. He loves the guy for it, true pro for it, and I agree with that. Seth adding in that he is classy, and I agree. Uh, Contreras could have gone a whole different way with this, and I think he's done a nice job. Uh, Ikta says the situation's been fascinating. I've never been more proud of the BFIB. They have rallied around Contreras, and he's endeared himself to the fan base within a month. Yep, this could have gone a different way, and I guess there is still time for it to. But, again... Uh, it's been, I think everybody, I'm not going to say universally, but a lot of people have looked at this and said, I don't know what the front office is doing, what the team is doing. Contreras, he was put into almost a losing situation. Like, what did they expect from him? They acted like they knew what the expectations were, that he was going to meet them, and then suddenly he's not doing it. And, And there's vagueness around what is it exactly that he's not accomplishing. So, yeah, the the fans, I think, have rightfully rallied around Contreras because unless we get more information, it's it's a bad look for the team. It really is. Uh, CJ says, still a long way to go. Arenado's numbers are unbelievable from Janelle. Yes, they are, but I think, again, he's starting to turn it around when healthy. So we'll have to, have to wait and see. Janelle agrees that, that Wilson has handled things professionally. 
uh, for sure. And CJ still has hope for the season. I still think there is hope for the season. You want to try to rattle off a bunch of wins right now, it can help. But you're seeing the top of the Central Division not be that great. The Cardinals were the team that was supposed to win the Central. I still feel like they kind of are. The Brewers are going to have to worry about whether they have enough hitting to get there. If their pitching gets injured, you can forget about it. The Pirates are coming back down to earth. Like, the door is still open for the Cardinals. They just have to try to get as close to 500 as quickly as possible uh, to, to kind of don't give the NL Central the hope that they have right now when you're sitting in the basement. I think that's important from sort of a mentality standpoint. I, I, I do think that matters. Rob says, I won't get into a Walker call-up talk, but everything he's working on in AAA can be done with the big club. Kisner, DeYoung, O'Neill, Bertelson are the guys that keep him from consistent at-bats. Well, it's not Kisner because Kisner would not be playing if it weren't for this Contreras thing. So it's really Contreras and or, or the team's belief that Contreras can't be the catcher right now. That's why Kiz factors in. DeYoung should be keeping anybody from consistent at-bats. He's hitting 324. So I don't think it's wrong to have DeYoung play. O'Neill is on the injured list, so he's not keeping anybody from bats right now. And Burleson's not really playing as much anymore. So I don't think a lot of those guys are really having that impact right now, which to the point other than DeYoung, who's going to play, but other but to the point of Rob, like Walker, you can start to see where it would make sense to have him back as the deck gets clear a little bit more. Um but I would say the the Contreras to DH thing is the one thing that really prohibits that. because in the fact that Walker hasn't really been performing in AAA, which can change on a dime, and I expect that at some point it will. But I look at Contreras at DH really throws a wrench in things because Gorman would typically play DH, but you need Gorman and Donovan in the lineup pretty regularly. And to have neither of those guys available to be your DH, it does, it does provide a squeeze and sends Donovan to the outfield more often than not. So we'll kind of have to see what ends up ends up coming of that. Watch them do what they usually do and come back after the All-Star break with a fire under their asses and shut us all up by ending the regular season, winning the division. Janelle, it's possible. They just have a lot of legwork they've got to do before they can just, like, get to that point. They can't rush to that point. They're going to have to have to win a bunch of games in May and June, to, to I, I think, to be able to get there. I don't think it's all going to be able to happen in July, August, September. You've got to give some hope before then. That's my opinion. Trevor says, I've never understood Ollie's infatuation with Burleson. Never been good at this level. I mean, I don't think he's bad, but I think he, you know, I think he's been cast as this guy who's going to be a, a main contributor offensively. And that we've never really seen from him. So, and, and we're not seeing it yet this year. He started off decently, but has really tapered off. And if you're not getting offense from him, he shouldn't be playing because that's really his only tool. Um, not a not a plus defender in the outfield. And Herrera needs to develop. Yeah, Herrera, they thought so little last year of Ivan Herrera, who's a, a catching prospect in the organization. He's with AAA. But they thought so little of him last year that they had Austin Romine come up instead for a while. And Austin Romine brought nothing to the plate. But again, it's a matter of, you know, Yachty being out and they need to trust that the guys that are there are veteran and going to be able to handle the rigors of catching the pitching staff. I think that was maybe something that Herrera was trying to kind of improve upon on the fly as well. So he's got a a ways to go, I think, before they're going to trust him in that role. 
Um, I think Janelle, if they're not going to give him a fair shot, they need to let him go somewhere he can find success and playing time. I don't know if we're talking about Herrera in that moment, but I'll go ahead and pretend that we are. Um, the reasoning, yeah, the reason behind calling Barrera up over Herrera blows your mind. Janelle says those 11 appearance last year were not complete games. I, I think that, again, you can look at the moves the team made when it came to Ivan Her- Herrera. They didn't trust him last year. When Austin Romine is getting the, the roster spot over you, you, there's some things you need to improve upon. And that was the way the Cardinals felt about Ivan Herrera. And right now, I think the best thing for him is regular playing time. And that's where he that's where he can get in Memphis. So, Joe says, I love having Contreras on the team, but with Kisner now catching the majority of the games, uh, and he does have better numbers with Miles Michaelis, they should have just made him the number one and get one of the five shortstops that were out there or a starting pitcher. Um, again, you could have spent money on Rodon. He was a giant. Now he's a Yankee. He's hurt. Dansby would have been fine. There were some other shortstops that were out there. Those guys were getting huge contracts. Correa, before the, the injury thing with him, uh, Bogart's got a big deal with the Padres. I mean, the, the, some money was spent, and it, is, it was not in the same ballpark if it was spent on Contreras. The closest comp would have been Dansby Swanson, and if they had traded for a catcher instead of signing Contreras, I think they might have ended up with Swanson. Instead, he's on the Cubs, so that's fun. Let's be specific, says Scott. All he said, we need to address the confidence and comfortability, which I don't understand comfortability. Just say comfort. And it's not just Ollie that did that. My co-host, Andy, on the big show, I give him crap about that. I've never heard of comfortability as a word. Anyway, the confidence and comfortability of the pitching staff. Yes, that is what Ollie said, which tells you that with Contreras, the, the starting rotation, the pitching staff as a whole, not confident, not comfortable with the new catcher. What the specifics behind that are, I think, is, is what we don't know. Janelle says, can we take a second to acknowledge the performance of Miles tonight? Finally, right? No, I don't want to praise him for the performance tonight. Three walks, not getting through five innings is not going to cut it. I think he needs to be better. Seven strikeouts, like his stuff was really good. It doesn't pay to have stuff at this league, at this level, that you're not utilizing and, and maxing out the efficiency on. With the kind of stuff he had tonight, he should have gone six or seven innings. So, no, 96 pitches and you can't get out of the fifth. I'm not going to give credit for that. Um, the bullpen saved his ass. He pitched well. He had good stuff. Like I said, they needed more from they needed more from Miles tonight. I really do believe that. Uh, let's see here. Trying to wrap things up here pretty soon. And of course it happens as always. I don't understand how this always happens. I get to the bottom and then I'm seeing new quotes from like Hunter. I haven't seen a single thing from you all night. And now I'm seeing all kinds of stuff from Hunter laborer 88, seeing all your guys' stuff. I got to get this figured out, man. It bothers me so much. Bothers me so much. Oh, let's see here. The entire appeal of signing Contreras was that the catcher spot would finally produce offensively. Moving him to DH eliminates so much value when you consider who they could have had. Yeah, it's a it's a nightmare if he's a full-time DH. It just doesn't make any sense long-term for them. Scott mentions what I had to say, too, about Miles. Four and a third, 96, 97 pitches. 
that's not what you want. Uh, just the efficiency has got to get. It's just got to get a little better from Miles. They could have. They could have gotten more out of him tonight if you if he had that efficiency. Brock says, "Hey, Brendan, catching you live for once because you work at night. Uh, love the streams. Keep it up, go birds. Appreciate you, Brock, for hopping in when you get a chance to do so." I don't care if Peter Pan is behind the plate. Just win. That's Ace Rob. Yeah, man. <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter, right? Just win. And that's, too, the thing about they've won two in a row. If they win tomorrow, if Flaherty can get it for them, or if the offense overcomes a bad Flaherty start, like, it doesn't matter how they win. If they can rattle off three, four, five in a row, it's going to be incredible how different fans will feel, how much will just things will just fall into place at that point for the Cardinals. Um. Anybody have a thought on whether they're going to call up Walker in time for consideration for rookie of the year, or will they leave him down? I think by the end of May, Walker should be back personally, but I just, it's hard to figure because of everything else going on. Like if Contreras is not your starting catcher again, by the end of May, how are they going to be able to justify calling Walker back up and giving him the playing time that he'll need? That'll be kind of interesting. Arenado can only hit at Coors crowd is somehow quiet so far from Landon. Yeah, because they, he was third in the MVP vote last year, not hitting at Coors. So that crowd can can stuff it. It's not a Coors Field thing or a Bush thing right now for Arenado. You can watch his at-bats and know he's not really been himself. Saying Walker is hitting 182 and leaving at that is so misleading. He's working to adjust launch angle. Specifically, he's flying out at a higher rate, which is what you want. If you let him swing away, he'll do well. Yeah, like I said, the performance at AAA is going to change in a day when Walker goes four for five with two home runs. Like that day is coming. And then you look at his AAA numbers and you'll go, oh, those are pretty good. But you still want to see him get to higher than 182. I just think it's a small sample situation right now. And, and hopefully he's improving on the things that, you know, they want to see from him. Oh, let's see here. At what point does Walker's struggles in Memphis get worrisome? Hunter's kind of on that same questioning uh, thought. I don't think it does. I just don't think I get worried too much about it. I trust that he's he's working on his swing. Um, it's not their excuse, Hunter. It really is a thing that they've been doing, uh, wanting him to work on his swing because you don't want to be wasting the exit velocity and the, the impact that he can do to the baseball on ground outs. You want him to lift the ball, line drives, fly balls, because – you know, uh, high exit velo plus fly ball equals damage and home runs. It's That is the equation that they look at in baseball now, and so that's what they want him to work on. I don't think it was an excuse. I think that is what they were hoping that they could get from Jordan Walker uh, when he gets sent down. Uh, Luke and Baker has been a menace in Memphis. Yes. I just don't get the sense that the Cardinals are really looking at that. I think if they were going to call him up, it would have happened, you know, when Juan Yepes got the call up, something like that, to say, hey, let's see what this guy's got. They don't seem to be giving him really the time of day, to me anyway. Oh, let's see. Uh, Trevor said, or Hunter says that he just doesn't appreciate the prospect of the Cardinals maybe crushing Jordan Walker's confidence. I think he'll be okay. I really do. Laborer88 asks which Flaherty's going to show up. The opening day guy, although he walked six, allowed no hits and no runs in five innings, or the guy who just got blitzed in his last start. Hopefully neither of those guys. Hopefully it's the guy that has command, can be efficient, 
doesn't nibble, and then is able to get through six or seven scoreless. That would be the one that I feel like the Cardinals would like to see. Uh, the Grave of Einstein said, saw the tweet about Contreras' situation has endeared Cardinals fans to him, and I have to agree. Nothing that can unite Cardinals fans more than hitting on management. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of been the case. That's definitely fair. DC is 23, I believe. No, he's 24, Trevor. But, yeah, he is still very young. Chris Silver's Wayno Friday night at Fenway inject all the nostalgia into my veins. I get the feeling that's not going to be a pitching duel. I think the Cardinals should be able to rough up Chris Sale a little bit. We'll see if Wainwright can hold up his end of the bargain, though. Uh, if the Cardinals blew this game today with the Contreras drama over the weekend, this stream would have been crazy. Yeah, I feel like people are more apt to come on here angry when they lose. But we'll see. It's like a it's like a anti-bell curve almost, where the action is going to be the highest when they're riding the hottest or struggling the most you just win a game everybody's like whatever i'm going to bed i can't complain i don't want to watch this <laughs> like i think there might be some validity to that the grave of einstein i must have my conspiracy theories about the organization personally i think that every day there's a blood sacrifice and michael gersh starting to feel a little anemic you say you're next am i next because i am not a member of the organization so it can't be me Wayno didn't look terrible Saturday. No, Hunter, he didn't. And again, it was just that last inning that got him. Trevor said, though, he did uh, go off on John Denton. The problem with John Denton's question, if you've been around Wainwright for long enough, if you talk about him like that in past tense, he said, you took pride, you took pride, you used to take pride, whatever the phrasing was, that was Wainwright was going to jump on that, and he did. And then it was, you know, it was done. I don't think it's anything that lingers or anything like that. But yeah, that was, that was where I was like watching that back. I thought, yep, Wainwright's about to jump on this. And he certainly did, but he was frustrated, man. And that's interesting. You haven't gotten to see the Wainwright frustration this year because he hasn't pitched. That was his first game, but that was a very 2023 Cardinals result that he got to experience. So that's basically, that's basically what it's been like. And now we see that Wainwright, it's like, yep. That's uh, par for the course for what the season's been. Thought maybe Wainwright could be the exception, but just had some, oh, some things go against him very strangely, and the Cardinals blew that game. So, Grave of Einstein says there's a quote where Wilson said they're keeping the stuff they're discussing secret, and I'm very interested in what that is. Some of the stuff they're talking about is not what we are talking about. Bingo. That's what I've said the whole night on this stream for an hour and a half is that there are things the Cardinals are – are working through that they're not telling us about. And that's fine, but that just means we get to, to freely speculate on it, whether it's responsible or not, because those questions were asked and the Cardinals weren't getting giving that information, which is their prerogative. But yeah, that's what makes it interesting, Einstein. We don't know what's being discussed, but we can guess. It's all we can do. It's all we can do. Uh, I can't believe it was ever discussed that DC would be left off this team. Yeah, I mean, that that was always weird to me too, Trevor. It was uh, uh, the final roster spot evidently came down to Carlson versus Burleson. And Carlson just brings so much more to the table unless Burleson is mashing an 800 OPS, which he's, right now he's not. He's 671. So if you compare those two, both have a 600 OPS, but one of them's got gold glove capabilities in center field. I'm taking Carlson every time. 
Uh, Wayno's going to shove Friday, and uh, Hunter is ready to take the criticism if he does not. Well, I like you going out on a limb. I appreciate that. Uh, Grave of Einstein adds that he feels bad for saying this to a media guy, but I think the way the media talked about Contreras worsened the situation about as much as the way the Cardinals talked about the situation. And he says, sorry, Brennan. Well, I wasn't really a media guy this weekend because I was not at Bush for any of the, the stuff going on. But I also don't agree with the assessment, really. Like, how did the media talk about Contreras that made it bad? They just were saying what Ali Marmel was saying to them. They were repeating it and reporting it. So I think I think the Cardinals would have to own a little bit of the the miscommunication or the the kind of inconsistency of their communication over the weekend with regard to the Contreras situation. Dylan Cease is going to look sick in a Cardinals uni in a few months. That's Hunter again. Uh Trevor says not to get him excited. Yeah, I don't think that's actually going to happen. It would cost a ton. That's the bottom line. It would cost so much, um, but he would be so good. He would be exactly what they need. They got to come up with an ace somehow. Developing one would be would be nice because it is cheaper. Um, but we'll see if they're able to do it. Do that. Uh, Grave of Einstein says the Burleson baseball savant page is hilarious. He hits the ball hard, hits the ball at the correct angles, but like two barrels. And not a lot of production if you look at, you know, batting average, on-base, slugging. Those things have been rough. So that might be part of why the Cardinals have continued to stick with him, though, is they say, well, he's hitting into some bad luck. Uh, you know, he should be getting more out of out of what he's gotten so far. Is maybe one way to look at it. Uh, and, and another thing about the Savant stuff, he asked about the Stratton spin rates. Seventh and four seam spin, second and slider, second and curve, and his stuff doesn't move like it. Um, that I think the spin rate is exactly why the Cardinals signed him uh, to that, or that they they tendered him a contract offer this this winter, because otherwise it's like he's kind of the guy that you know comes into the game when it's a blowout. Is at a really valuable role. They're paying him a couple million. I think was surprised honestly that they tendered him. But I think they look at that spin rate stuff and they're like, man, there's got to be more to unlock. But I think there is just certain guys that it might spin a certain way. But if it doesn't move, like they may not be advanced enough to isolate exactly why his movement isn't what it could be with the spin. And maybe they're still trying to get more out of him. He's pitched okay this year, though. So it's been fine. And Ryan is wishing there could be a St. Louis wide vote on Moe's future with the team. If the If the Cardinals major decisions came down to a vote, I think it would be... I think it would be rough long-term. Not that I don't trust you guys, but. Uh, Caleb mentions that Donovan DC Newt bar in the outfield is a nice outfield. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that uh, for a little while, but again, Jordan Walker's got to have his place with this team eventually again. That's what it comes down to for me. All right, guys, I've tried to get through a lot of these questions. I think I've gotten through a lot of them. If I've missed something real important, at Schaefer 12 send me a DM. But I want to I log it off here. Um, i got to get some sleep at some point tonight. Big win for the Cardinals. Can they get that three-game winning streak on lock on Tuesday? We'll have to wait and see. Like I said, if I skipped over a comment that I really needed to get to, send it to me in a message. I will try and get to you and try to get it back on the stream tomorrow night. We're back in the saddle, back home. Big game tomorrow for the Cardinals as uh, Jack Flaherty looks to make it three in a row for St. Louis. Make sure you like this stream before you head on out for the night. Subscribe to the channel if you've not done so before, and feel free to check it out as well tomorrow on Spotify as this will be on. 
the BJF Daily podcast feed. I thank you guys so much for your time, for hanging out with me for close to a couple of hours tonight after the win. Uh, that's going to do it, though, for this edition of B-Shape Daily Live, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace.